Hello, we are Becky and Gabby, your micropolitan matchmakers, coming at you every Thursday to help you find big love in your small town. Each week, we'll cover everything from dating advice, dating love stories, and horror stories, interviews with other dating experts, and much more, all from the lens of dating in a small to medium-sized micropolitan region. Hello, 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 friends. Happy Thursday morning. It is Micropolitan Matchmaker Day, and we are back after a brief hiatus. Gabby, thank you for holding down the fort while I was away in the most happy, magical place on earth. I just got back from a trip to Disney with my parents and my boyfriend, which was pretty fun. Looks so fun. More to come on that. We're going to save that for another episode. Sure. But I am very excited to start off this week's episode with a heart take that I feel is very relevant in the media right now. And I'm sure a lot of you have seen or heard of The Tinder Swindler on Netflix, uh, which is a documentary about this man who scammed women that he met on dating apps and robbed them of a ton of money and their dignity. So I actually came across an article in Cosmo last week about how people like romance scams basically and how prevalent they are now that obviously the internet and dating apps make it so easy to connect with people and to catfish people honestly so i wanted to read a couple stats which were pretty alarming and scary but i'm reading them in hopes that it kind of just makes you aware when you are connecting with people on dating apps Or if you know other people who are connecting on dating apps, especially, you know, I think statistically people over 70 are way more vulnerable to um, be scammed. So, you know, this woman in this particular article, she realized her grandmother was being scammed before her grandmother knew. So just kind of like keeping an ear and an eye out for some of these red flags and um, being attentive to, and and careful about who you're meeting and who you're exchanging personal information with. So this, or losses to romance scammers have reached a total of $304 million. In 2020, there was a reported loss that it went up to 50%. And I think, or went up 50%. I think a lot of that had to do with the pandemic and like people obviously had a good excuse not to meet you in person. Um, and then also the average victim loses about $2,500. This victim 70 and over also often lose thousands more. In Florida alone, where this woman's grandmother lives, an estimated of 7,000 people lost $58.8 million in 2021, specifically, which is like insane. So um, I can post the link to the article. I think I found it online too. Um, but kind of just be you know I have a single grandmother who's very interested in dating um and I have friends who are vulnerable in in other senses that I think might make them vulnerable to being scammed in this sense so just kind of like being aware of what those red flags look like is really important well and you know I love that you brought that up Gabby because I think specifically the reference to the tinder swindler which was very interesting to watch um I binged that and um the Anna Delphi uh, Netflix doc like or series like right in rapid succession and it was just interesting to see some of the crossover but I think what the tinder swindler really showed is that it you don't have to be classified as a vulnerable population to be vulnerable to these types of scams it can really totally. happen to anyone and you know I think it's 
funny to make light and you see the memes of like, haha, if someone asked me to pawn my car, I'd be like, good luck, boo. And that's how I think I would respond. But at the same time, we just, you, you don't know. And when you're in the heat of something and you feel connected to this person, um, it, I think it's really easy to get sucked in. We say the same thing. I mean, look at cults and all the, I was just watching a special about, you know, very smart people who get roped into these larger schemes. So I think, um, what I liked about the Tinder swindler and, and you bringing this up is just that it, it really can happen to anyone. Totally. And I think, you know, reading and becoming educated as to those things to look for is important. Yes. So obviously as we come across them, we will send them your way, but keep an eye out. Put in some well, that's great. Yeah. And you know, I'll, um, I'll put Gabby, send me that link. I'll make sure it's in the show notes for this week's episode. So you guys can check that out. And, um, and we'll also link in, if you haven't seen it, I feel like you've be, been living under a rock if you haven't at least heard about the Tinder swindler, but it's definitely worth a watch. Um, for sure. It's a, it's a fun one. And, and so is the inventing Anna is pretty good also, Yeah, but I think it's, I'm so excited for our it's guest, time. Gabby. It's, it's time. time. Yes. So we are so excited to bring our guests onto the screen, if you are watching on YouTube, uh, introducing Morgan McCarthy, who is a 27-year-old living in Saratoga Springs, which is in the capital region. Um, so we've never come across each other, but Morgan, a few months back, sent Capital Heart Connection a message, and we started talking about her challenges dating, the reason she reached out to us, um, and we're obviously gonna dive further into this um, and, and talk about all the specifics there. But Morgan, welcome. We're so excited to have you. Oh, hi, Morgan. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I want to I kind of jump right in and ask you off the bat how you found out about Capital Heart Connection and Micropolitan Matchmakers and what was the reason you decided to reach out and send us a message? Well, I have to credit my older sister, Erica. Um, she came across you guys on Instagram, actually, and I had struggled in the past, only had, I don't have a lot of experience dating, per se. I've had short relationships and summer flings, but I'm 27, it was something that I really wanted to work on, but at the basis of it, I wanted to break down the stigmas that people have in society about interabled relationships and dating and kind of anything under that umbrella. Mm. So can you just explain what interabled relationships are just in case people who don't oh, know Absolutely. Interabled relationships are usually between one person that is disabled and another person that is completely able bodied presenting healthy pretty much. And Morgan, is it share as much as you are comfortable, but we'd love to know a little bit about your personal story, whatever you're you're able to share. Oh, absolutely. I was born with spastic diplegia cerebral palsy and a genetic mutation called brachydactyly. So with CP, it presents a vast spectrum of symptoms for people. I was not a twin. I was not premature. I just lost oxygen in the womb, so I have a thing called periventricular leukomalacia. It's a big word, you can call it PBL. Yeah. Um, but if you Google it, it's along the same lines as stroke symptoms. Um, basically, I have a bunch of tiny bursts in my head, um, so I have no white matter, really, that 
is how you do things. I have a bunch of gray matter where I can still hold a conversation, have good memory, language skills, like that kind of thing. I love to read, but math, spatial stuff, directions, driving, all those things are affected besides my spasticity and my ability to walk a break. I do, and I learned how to in fourth grade, but I have a bunch of different apparatuses that allow me to just get around so I can live the best and fullest life possible. That's incredible just to hear you talk about it. I mean, it, and I feel like you, you almost have a degree in your own biochemistry and you learn <laughs> so much when you are facing some of what you, you are working with. And so that's just incredible. I your ability to hear that from people <laughs> say like get a massage or something. I'll like point out a particular area of my body that hurts. And they're like, how do you know all of your muscle groups? And I'm like, cause I grew up in a doctor's office. <laughs> I'm used to seeing the diagrams everywhere. And I think it's so important too, you know, to have that understanding and that knowledge because you can advocate for yourself in, in a different way and also be a leader and a voice for people who might not have the same opportunity or resources to learn about their condition and how it impacts their everyday life, for sure. Most definitely. That's definitely part of why I wanted to come on too is just because it's something I'm passionate about. I'm very comfortable around groups of people. I've done it my whole life. So it's just for me to break down those barriers that maybe it's curiosity or maybe, you know, for me, I realize I think it takes a lot of maturity to live the way I do. I tell people all the time I grew up really fast. I was three years old when my mom had to sit me down and say, you know, you're not going to get better. But at least I can tell people it's not going to get worse. And it just... It is what it is, and it was kind of a coin flip, and instead of sitting and wallowing in things, I allow myself five minutes to kind of have a little powwow and be like, well, this sucks, but a majority of the time, I look at it like I get to do things. Why not me? Like, this was the life I was given, so I have to roll with it, for lack of better terms. That's in my Instagram bio that Hot Wheels lead the way. So I kind of go off of roll puns for fun. Morgan, <laughs> I love that so much. And at the risk of, you know, I know we've, we talk and, and the term like toxic positive positivity has like been elevated a little bit more, you know, the, the forcing of a, a good um, outlook on things that, that can be challenging. But I, I think that real, that positivity is really genuine and, one thing I haven't shared, I don't think at all on this podcast, is that I had a sister who dealt with kidney disease her entire life, and she sadly passed away at the age of 31 from complications surrounding that. But watching her grow up, it was the same thing. And she always talked about the gifts that came with it. Um, so at the risk of like forcing toxic positivity, I hope that's not what this sounds like, but I feel like your outlook you have gifts that come with, yeah. with what you are living with. And so I'd love to hear kind of your outlook on, on that. Well, for me, there's a really important book. If you guys have read Man's Search for Meeting by Victor Frankl, he says, man's circumstance, basically humanity, you're given a choice and it's what you do with those circumstances. I had it up on my Instagram the other day. I can repost it for people. Um, I'm kind of surmising that, but 
for me, it's that you always have, when you feel like you don't have a choice, you have a choice with your attitude with how you face it. Mm. So that's kind of where it comes from. For me, it's not toxic positivity like that right there. That man lived through a lot, and that's one of my favorite books. So That's a good note for me to reread it. It's been a long time since I've read that, but that's a good one. And Morgan, we'll ask you again at the end, but for those listening, and I'll put it in the show notes, Can um, is your Instagram public? Can others follow you? Right now it is because of just like opportunities like this. I do close it because I do speak with schools and younger kids. So sometimes if I want my private life private, I will turn it on private, but for opportunities like this, I open it up so people can ask questions and follow me. Absolutely. I love that. Where can they find you? What's your handle? It's at Mobies19. It looks like Mobes, weird, but my middle name is Bethany, so my mom has always called me Mobies since I was a little kid. She's called them a pet name. <laughs> I love that. So let's jump into the dating a little bit, because I know initially the first conversation that you and I had, Morgan, was about, you know, challenges of dating as somebody in their 20s in general. Plus, you add another layer of um, the fact that you have a disability and that you're around different kinds of people. And, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? And in the past, I know you've been in some relationships and things in the past like where have you met these people where um where have you used online dating if at all and and all of that jazz I've been on apps um in the past those summer flings were lucky I don't know if you guys know but we live pretty close to a nuclear navy training center and so my past flings have been some of those Navy guys that are doing nuclear reactor training. Um, yeah. There's so many puns about being hot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, um, used Bumble and Hinge and Tinder back when it came out when I was in college. And I think, again, the biggest difference for me is the red flags are that I have to keep in mind of my personal safety. I can't move and run away from people if a situation gets hairy and that it doesn't go well. I have to be very aware of my surroundings. Um, but green flags are like if you're mature enough to look past that it's just kind of how I get around and how I conserve energy. I have a really close-knit group of friends, really close to my family. And that's all it kind of boils down to is it's just how I maintain such an active, busy, eccentric experience we call life. It's just how I get the most out of every day. And Morgan, along with that, obviously maturity is huge. What are some other things that you look for in a partner? Definitely. I love sports. I So athletics is important to me, whether... I mean, I'm not really into golf, but um, a lot of my personal guy friends from like college, they play baseball. They're great. I love basketball. My dad's basketball coach, like grew up with that. I was a cheerleader for my entire childhood. So sports, physical fitness is important. I always want somebody to be able to have to, you know, the qualifications are pick me up and carry me. You never know when you know 
I might need that one day. Yeah, true. To, to like pick me up and put me on your shoulders so I can <laughs> see the world from. I love that. <laughs> um, and I definitely like someone who's intellectually stimulating. I have a master's mm -hmm. degree in hospitality management. I want to go awesome. to law school. I'm constantly reading, writing, doing things like this where I'm talking to people. So I need somebody who's really top notch and would change my mind or make me think. Um, family is super, super important to me. And um, fun fact that I just realized about myself a few weeks ago. I have an affliction, I believe is the correct terminology, for guys named Nick with brown curly hair. <laughs> so if you're listening. Don't know why, but I realize now it's a common theme in my daily life. That's or so like, funny. you know, when you like pick out your celebrity crush, like yeah, that in general is just like something that has been brought together by the universe. And I'm like, hmm, hmm. I gravitate towards Nick. And we'll keep our eyes out for that for you, for sure. We will, for <laughs> sure. Don't know why. I love it. Um, so Morgan, like, I know you said that you've used dating apps in the past. If somebody with a disability is listening now and they are using the apps or thinking about using the apps, how does one go about having a conversation before meeting that person about your disability and maybe some limitations you have and maybe some special gifts that you might have? Absolutely. I think, you know, I'm not sad about it anymore. I used to be where I'd be a little more hesitant to say I was that I use a wheelchair. Um, but I was talking to my sisters and they're like, everyone gets ghosted. This new term of being ghosted happens to everybody. Um, for me, I'm really forthright so that the whole Tinder swindler situation doesn't happen where a lot of people in the disabled community doing research and things I've seen on the internet, people often feel like we're reverse catfishing. If you say, oh, I'm in a wheelchair, and then like you show up to the date and you might not be using it, but you're there. Or if you don't say anything at all and then show up in your wheelchair, they're like, I didn't sign up for this. So I'm really forthright with that information. And if that person's not my person, they're not my person because I know at the end of the day when I'm looking for a relationship and I want that to hopefully be long term and looking towards marriage at this stage in my life that your person's not going to care. Your person's going to love you for who you are. And so if it's just the way you get around or if you have an ostomy bag or if you use a guide dog or anything under the sun, the right person, male or female, is going to know that that's a part of you. I love that. I say that to my, my coaches all the time. It's like, you can't mess something up that's not meant for you. Yeah. And it better to just be vulnerable and put it out there. What you're comfortable with. You obviously don't yeah. need to like lay all your cards on the table, but with something like that, um, let people self-select in and out because there will be yeah. people who self-select in and the people who weed themselves out before you, you know, have that conversation, less time wasted on a date that you wouldn't yeah. have really wanted to go on anyway. Exactly. Uh, Morgan, I am curious to hear your perspective on this because I have a few 
male friends who have autism who have who are a few years younger than me so they're probably like 25 to 27 ish Mm -hmm. and they've expressed to me how difficult they find it dating online but also you know they in particular would like to also date somebody who has autism so they're kind of like at a weird juncture where it's like i want to find somebody who's also you know in the disability community but you know how do i meet people outside of online dating are there any resources community groups online groups special apps that you know of or you heard of or read of or friends of yours have used um for somebody in that particular situation i had a feeling you were gonna ask me this question um unfortunately I don't have a lot of resources because the stories I've heard and people I've met, it's kind of been luck of the draw, like just, you know, fairy tale magic fireworks when they meet each other. Um, A lot of, I can only speak to having CP and Brachydactyly being a part of that in the limb loss community as well, that it, um, it'll happen when it happens. I know there are apps out there for people to use. For me personally, I more recently have felt those same feelings where it's like there are thousands of guys out there that probably live with hemiplegia where it's one side of their body right or left and I just would look right over them because of that little bit of jealousy where that spectrum comes into play with CP where it's like I'm looking at them like they're presenting healthier than I am. Even though we live in the same bubble of diagnoses, I'm looking at them like they are better off than I am. And so I had a really hard conversation with myself and the powers that be in the universe, whatever you believe in, that I was like, why did I do that to myself? And if there is someone out there who is a hemiplegic, in my case, or you know, even as a quad or whatnot, like, why am I looking past these beautiful people just because I'm bitter or worried about what they might think about me being healthier than them? It is a constant battle, just probably similarly in the autistic community, if you're like, should I date the same? (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people feel that way with, like, religion and politics, too, but we don't have to. Obviously, I'm not going to get into that. But that gets sticky, but it's one of those things where if you're going for the same diagnoses, it's like there's a whole group of people that I totally over the last, you know, seven years of when you start for me, like in my 20s, completely just put aside because I was like either A, they don't want to be with me or B, it'll be for lack of better terms, the blind leading the blind and it'll just be a mess. And so I had to have a really hard look at myself for that. Yeah, that's super interesting. That is so powerful, Morgan. I had never, that's a perspective that I had not really thought about, but that that idea of being kind of in the same bubble, but having this spectrum of impact, it's just so interesting. And, And so in terms of having that conversation with yourself, what's the sort of, conclusion might not be it's not a final thing but like what's the sort of conclusion that you drew from that conversation 
if it happens, it happens. And there's people in my life and friends that I have that I'm working with and working towards maybe exploring that. Um, again, with your recent episode where I believe it was your heart take, you said you moved your filters to about an hour away or like an hour and a half. Like, yep. It doesn't matter where my person is in the world. I have the type of personality where I am so loyal. I, I won't drop everything for my own self and personal well-being. But if I'm all in with somebody, I'm the one that's making, like, care packages or, like, finding everything about them. Because for me oh. to show my love, I'm a gift giver. But I need, I know for myself, I need words of affirmation to be like, you got this. Like, you're doing it. You're good. And like acts of service too. It all kind of came out with 33% equal down the board. But I'm a gift giver, so I, I listen intently. And, you know, my person's going to have, you know, a partner in life that has those qualities. I might not be the one that's good at math and finances in the relationship, but when it comes to things being easy or hard, I'm always going to be their biggest cheerleader. I'm always going to have plan A through E to get things done if it doesn't work the first time. So, I love that so much. Well, and Morgan, as you know, it kind of how you originally came to us, um, Gabby and I are working on planning lots of events locally, and we eventually want to expand larger. We want to make sure that those events are inclusive across all sorts of populations. So specifically thinking about the disability community, um, you know, and I know there are so many variations within the yeah. disability community too, but do you have any advice or thoughts for us or someone else who might be planning something to make sure that we are as open and welcoming as we can be to, to the community? I think handicap buttons are important. Um, living in Saratoga, this is something I'm working on and I try to meet with the powers that be and the people in the community that do have control over this and I know it takes time and money and energy but growing up in a historic city I've worked a lot to say yes it's a historic area and I want to preserve the amazing things about where I've grown up but also a lot of the areas that people go to hang out I can't get into they're not there's usually a stairwell <laughs> in the way or it's a relatively small pace space or parking is challenging and so I often don't go the places that you would find people to meet to date because I'm usually at home reading a book and drinking a cup of tea to be honest I'm in bed by like nine but if there were ways to meet people even like this where if there were group meets on zoom where you could pop in and out mm -hmm. of the chat with people so if they're comfortable at that current time say they're more comfortable at home just because they might not be able to get into the building or there might not be braille or somebody who can translate ASL to a non-ASL signing person because you might need that if they don't have that choice out the gate being mm -hmm. at home is your best bet and because we have technology we have the capabilities to do that. That's great yeah, advice. That's, 
totally. And I'm so glad that you brought that up, Morgan, because, um, you know, now that it's getting nicer out, um, we would love to have, host more in-person events. That's kind of part of what our business was founded on, was the ability to meet lo other locals in person. But I think you raised such a great point about how valuable virtual events can be, especially with somebody with a disability, um, a mobile disability for that matter. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, that's definitely something that we could think about because I really, in my experience, there aren't many virtual communities for people with disabilities where they can still have, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversations or chats or, you know, be in a group setting, switch groups and things of that nature. So that's yeah. definitely something Becky and I will think about. I just thought of that off the top of my head, to be honest. I was like, I love you? it. I'm well, like, I am on a call with two beautiful souls and why call? For me, like in, in my case, why can't there be like 30 men on this chat? <laughs> <laughs> Named Nick with uh, curly, curly hair. <laughs> yeah. Like wh why does totally. it could happen? Morgan, I think you're going to have to be like our guest host. So now we'll have to follow up with you and we'll set a date so you can be our like a co-moderator and we'll do a virtual hangout as long as you promise that you'll be there. Oh, absolutely. I would love that. So fun. I love it. Thank you so much, Morgan. This has been amazing. Thank Is there anything you. else you want to share or tell the world while we have you? Well, um, let's see. Oh, sounds like she might. <laughs> she, she had some type of thought before we came on. Let's see. I think I hit everything, but again, um, just that, that Victor Frankl quote from Man's Search for Meaning, um, I want to say it's on page like 47. Wow. I'm going to be so impressed if, if, that I, was, if, if I remember correctly, somewhere around there where, you know, it's, it's your attitude about things and it's not toxic positivity when I think... It's one thing to project that term onto people. I think it's another thing when it's your lived experience that helps create and carve you into that behavior. My lived experience mm. has made me positive because what are my options? Sit in my bed and cry about the life that I do have, the choices I do have, like, I wake up, I put my feet on the ground, Dewey brings me my slippers. I wake up, I have a cup of coffee, and I start going. I love that. And you know Amazing. what's funny? As I think about it, Morgan, the person who gave me that book to read the, the first time I read it, and she did not have a diagnosis at the time, but she now for the last, oh my gosh, almost like 10 years, has a very rare diagnosis called trigeminal neuralgia, and she has horrible, horrible pain. Um, and it's just interesting it, you, I need to like text her immediately and just talk about this conversation because she was the person who first introduced that book to me and perhaps, uh, without outing her, I can get her to come to our virtual hangout, um, as well, I because I know she's that. starting to date. Yeah. I would love that. Awesome. I am just, I'm feel, filled with like the warm fuzzies. You are a ray of you sunshine, too. Morgan. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much. <laughs> yes. And we definitely... We definitely will be in touch about, you know, ways that we can partner together and, you know, maybe make this a segment 
in the podcast at some oh, point. I'm, I would love to talk I'm all for that. I appreciate the opportunity. You ladies are wonderful. I hope you have a great rest of your evening and enjoy. Yeah. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Morgan. And for everybody out there, you can follow us on micropolitan underscore matchmakers. I'll put all of our Instagram handles, Morgan's included, in the show notes so you can keep track of all of the awesome things that she's doing. We'll keep in touch on that event that we will start planning for sure. And we will see you next Thursday on Micropolitan Matchmakers. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.